it is to be gathered together, whether you're watching from online or you're here with us, what a great day it is to, to remember all that the Lord has done for us. If you're glad to be here, would you say amen? Amen. amen. Praise the Lord. 
If you're, this is your first time with us here in person or online, we welcome you. My name is Seth, and I hope that you can get connected with us. There's ways to do that, and there's information online about how you can do that. But if you're in the room, come and talk to us after service. We'd love to meet you and learn more about you and what the Lord is doing in your life. So as we continue in worship together, uh, we're going to read from Psalm 47, and later we're going to have baptism. We're going to celebrate baptism as a church and looking forward to that celebration. Let's read from Psalm 47 as we continue. Come, everyone, clap your hands, shout to God with joyful praise, for the Lord Most High is awesome. He is the great King of all the earth. Let's worship the Lord. I searched, I searched the world, but it couldn't fill me. A man's empty praise and treasures that fade are never enough. Then you came Every desire is now satisfied Hearing your love Oh, there's nothing better than you There's nothing better than you Oh, there's nothing Nothing is better than you I'm not afraid to show 
church. Better than you, there's nothing. We'll declare it together. Better than you, no, there's nothing. Come on. Nothing is better than you. celebration, an outward celebration of an inward reality, celebrating what the Lord has done in the life of people in our church. It's a symbol as people enter into the water, that they are dying to self, and they enter out of the water being raised to new life in Jesus. So when they come up out of the water, let's celebrate with them. Let's celebrate and give God the glory for what he's done. morning. It's great to have you here this morning. It's great to be here this morning to be able to baptize these folks. And I'm Pastor Jim, and uh, uh, I'd like to introduce, uh, go ahead, Victor. Vic Victor Baroni. Victor, and thank you. And, and um, I know what you're thinking. Is Pastor Jim going to be able to do this? <laughs> as tall as he is. But uh, in reality, I would like to ask, uh, ask Victor a, a question. Of, if you could just share us a little bit about your faith and, and how you came to this point where we're at today. So I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ. About a, about a year or so ago, I went through some really rough times, and um, I, God was calling me, so I just decided I came back to Friends Church, and uh, he's really carried me through. And, you know, a thing that I like to, to lean on is through God is all things are possible, and that's what I've been leaning on. He's really done a lot of work on me. He still has a lot of work to do, but I'm really happy to be here. Well, thank you. And certainly he has a lot of work to do on all of us, actually, and um, uh, continually, so. Pray with you. Father, I thank you for Victor and his life, and pray that you would bless this time that we're uh, experiencing right now, and it'll be a blessing to him as well as to the congregation. We pray. Amen. Victor, it's um, upon the professing of faith in Christ Jesus and the repentance of your sins and your commitment and obedience to Jesus. I now baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and Holy Spirit.
Now, this is more my height there, huh? More stuff. <laughs> Brian, would you please? Uh, Brian McQueen. Thank you, Brian. And again, what brings you to this place as far as your faith in Christ? And where I'm just looking to take my next steps with God in this walk that I have with him. Okay, good. So we know he has a profession of faith, and that's awesome. And, and so, um, Brian, uh, upon a profession of your faith in Christ Jesus and the repentance of your sins, and your commitment and obedience to Jesus. I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and Holy Spirit. Let me just, Seth, let me just, Father, I thank you for Ryan's life, and I ask that you bless him, and thank you so much for this being a witness, a testimony to our church and our church family, and to him and himself. We just praise you and thank you for this in your name. Amen. Lord, would you stand and sing with us some more? You turn morning to dancing. You turn building to ashes. You turn shame into glory. You're the only one who cares. You turn praise into God. Let's pray together. Holy God, we celebrate with those that turn their lives over to you. For the two that did so in the earlier service and the two that did so here in this service. And we pray your blessing upon them as new creations in Jesus Christ. And I pray, God, that as they have been introduced to us, Lord, we would take seriously the commitment that they're making to you in their lives, that we as the church would surround them and support them and guide them in their life and faith in you. Thank you for this time, God, as we gather together to celebrate you, to celebrate what, you've, what you did, what you continue to do, and what you will do in our future. We may not know what that looks like, God, but we place ourselves, God, in this moment, we place ourselves 
into your care, into your hands. Bless us as a gathered body, whether we're online or here in person. Bless us through the power of your Holy Spirit that we can experience your change each new day. Lord, we ask for your healing touch on those that are facing illnesses in this moment, those that we care for, that are on our hearts in this moment, that are ailing, Lord. We ask that you'd be with them and provide your healing touch. Lord, we ask that you provide healing for those that are struggling with COVID-19, that are struggling for their lives or, or struggling with symptoms. Lord, we ask that you be with them and your hand be upon them, Lord God. And as we think about them by name, Lord God, we also, by name, we lift up our president. We lift up the first lady as they battle COVID-19 and ask your healing hand and touch upon them, Lord God. And for all those, Lord, all around the world that are struggling and suffering because of this illness, Lord. We pray your healing touch. Oh, Lord, would you bring your healing upon this world that you love so dearly. Bring your healing, Lord God. Bring your healing in all spaces of our community. Bring healing within our hearts and our homes. We commit ourselves to you, God. Humbled that we know so little and yet we can trust you and be filled to the fullness of God in Jesus Christ. So thank you as we celebrate you. Be with us as we hear your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You guys can be seated. And if you're watching online at home, you can be seated if you are standing or just get comfortable. We would love, uh, we're excited that you can join us. Um, I have a special announcement before we begin our brand new series here today. I have a special announcement. Many of you know that Pastor Steve has been in Boston, Massachusetts with his daughter and her husband as they await the arrival of Pastor Steve and Sheila's first grandbaby. Well, Pastor Steve is now Grandpa Pastor Steve. Um, Calvin Alexander Reese was born into this world this week and they are so thrilled. Pastor Steve had this glow about him when I was talking with him on video chat earlier this week and they are so excited. Mom and baby are doing well and just continue to lift that in your prayers and prayers of support uh, for Pastor Steve and Sheila as they enjoy this precious, precious moment and, and, and season in, in their lives. Well, if we haven't met, my name is Eric, and I'm one of the pastors here. I want to share with you a little um, memory that came across uh, uh, my uh, social media over the past uh, month or so. Uh, this was a moment, it was probably the most electric stadium experiences that I have ever had in my lifetime. It was at Matt Free Stadium in Columbus. Some of you know this very well. How many of you are soccer fans? Soccer, soccer fans? This was the men's, United States men's national team. And in 2013, they were playing against the country of Mexico, which is the rival team. And a little history with this rivalry. In the, in the history of uh, international soccer, the United States, yeah, not been so great. And their 
uh, games against Mexico, they have not won very many of them. But in the year 2000, they started winning a few games against Mexico. And what was strange about that or interesting about that is that the, the, the games that they had won against Mexico all had the same score, two to zero, two to zero. And it was enough of a pattern that the United States men's soccer team fans well, you know, we Americans, we like to talk a little trash. So out of that, we had a little chant that, we would ch- that they would chant in, in the games. And the chant was dos a cero. Dos a cero. Two to zero. Two to zero. And so as we were anticipating and getting ready for this game, we were wondering, you know, first of all, would they even win? But, you know, would, would this follow the, the pattern that we, that we had seen? And so here we are at the game. The stadium is filled. It's electric. We never sat down. We constantly were, um, constantly were shouting and screaming. It was a wild environment. And then the United States men's team, they scored their first goal. And anticipation started brewing. We could feel it. It was just palpable in the air. It was electric. And then, then, the second goal from the United States men's team. And here's what it looked like. Take a look. Absolutely amazing. We were beside ourselves. It was an amazing electric environment. So I was reminded of this uh, this past month because that happened in the month of September. But that little reminder also reminded me of something else, and that is our painful reality. Because <laughs> as much as stadiums were full, now they're fully empty. And whether you're a football fan or basketball fan or baseball fan, those two really torturing games by the Cleveland Indians, we were reminded that life is different now. Now, we might not need that reminder, but even as we look and view our our favorite sports teams, we are reminded of this brutal fact that life is so different, and we've all had to face the, the differences that been forced upon us. We've all had to make our own adjustments to life at work, at school, at home, everything. You know, it used to be that my wife would remind me when I'm leaving the door in the morning, she'd say, don't forget your phone and your keys, and now it's don't forget your mask. Everything seems to be different now. Now, I know that we have a lot of different interpretations as to what's happening in this moment. Many of us have different responses as to what is happening in this moment. But I think we all feel the weight of what's happening in this moment. And it's not just a global pandemic, is it? It's historical civil unrest and racial tension. It's political divide that seems to increase and ramp up more and more each new day. We feel the pressure and the weight of what's happening in this moment. 
And while we respond differently, we have different interpretations of it, we have different opinions about it, certainly, we all can, can be drawn to this singular point, this common experience that, that this moment in time is big. It feels like something big is happening in this moment. Now, in the Bible, the, the, the New Testament is written in ancient Greek. And because of that, there are a lot of words that are written in ancient Greek that when they're translated, it may not capture the fullness of what was intended by the original authors. And that's very true with the word time. In the original, in the original Greek, in the ancient Greek, there were two words for time. And one of them was probably familiar to us. It is the word chronos. And chronos simply meant the linear time that we see on our watches or on a clock. It's the time that tells us what time of day it is. But there was another word for, for time in the Bible, and that is kairos. And kairos was, gave us, gives us the quality of time or the meaning of a particular time or season or age. It can also mean an opportunity. And it signifies, this, when this word is used, it signifies that this is not just any other moment that we would watch on our watches or on a clock and, and pass by, that there's something significant happening in this moment. That's what Kairos teaches us. I think we all sense that there is a Kairos happening for all of us. That there is a significant moment happening to us that is forcing us to look at things different than we had before. Now, we've all had kairos moments in our lives before. These mile mark moments, the things that we keep in our memory books and we have pictures and we show different people. What we have these shutterfly books of different momentous times, things that we want to share about our lives with other people. Could be when you first went off to college, took a trip around the world, when you first met your future spouse, when you got married, when you had kids, when you had grandparents like Pastor Steve or grandkids, <laughs> and all of that is a significant moment in time that causes us to reflect what's really happening here. What's the, the meaning of this moment? Now, a lot of businesses I've seen, a lot of organizations, even churches have been using this word, and maybe you've been using this word in your own organization, but uh, the word is pivot. All these companies are pivoting in this moment. We've introduced a new pivot for our company or for our organization. And I love that word because it signifies that life was going one way or our organization was going one way and now because of outside circumstances we need to face another way. But in order to have a pivot, we also have to have a pivot point. It is a fixed and static point upon which we look from one direction to the next. So if you're a basketball player, you understand a pivot. You keep one foot still and planted as you look in different directions. And so while we might be facing chaos in our world, unprecedented chaos in our world, and we don't know exactly what's going to happen next. We, we don't have all of the, the rules for the road. We don't know what might happen around the corner. Let me ask you, what's your pivot point? 
What's that fixed center upon which you turn? Because the outside circumstances that we all face are causing us to look at life differently in this Kairos moment. So what is your pivot point? What are you rooted in? What are you centered upon in your life? That's the question that I hope you ask yourself over the next six weeks. And that's the question that we as a church staff and elders and leadership have been asking ourselves because we have been facing this on a church level as well. Many of you obviously know that. We've been asking, what does this moment in time mean for us as a church? What is it saying to us? What is God saying to us in this moment about how we need to do church in this new direction and yet stay centered on that pivot? We're all facing a momentous Kairos moment. What is our pivot point? What is that point upon which we face a new day and a new age that is unfamiliar and uncharted for us? That's what we're going to be talking about the rest of the time here in the next six weeks. So that brings us to John chapter 14. And so if you brought your Bibles, you can turn to John chapter 14. And John chapter 14, John is a gospel, uh, in a, a, a written gospel in the Bible, and it is a story of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, just like the other gospels, if you're not familiar with uh, how the Bible is organized and st- structured in that way. And John is the, the last of the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so as John is telling the story of Jesus, by chapter 14, There's a lot that has already happened in this story about Jesus and his ministry and his life. He had been journeying with 12 disciples, ministering to the outer parts and then making his way into Jerusalem. He had been performing miracles and works of wonder, supernatural works of wonder, and he had been proclaiming a single sermon message, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And so they travel along and towards, now that we get to chapter 14, Jesus begins to give clues to his friends, his closest followers, that the end is sort of coming, uh, is is about to arrive. The end of this time together is is about to arrive. They're about to to wind down their, their time together and that Jesus would have to go off to another place. And as much as Jesus had been talking about this, the disciples had a really hard time accepting this. And so in the last part of chapter 13, we have Jesus talking about how he will go off to another place. And Peter, one of his most trusted and loyal followers, who was not short on words, came to Jesus and he said, Lord, where are you going? I mean, we're doing great things here. Like, where, where, where are you going? And Jesus doesn't answer Peter in that moment. Instead, he answers what's really, what he's really wrestling with in his heart. And he says, Peter, where I'm going, you, you can't come with me. You can't follow me. And then he follows it up with something that was so hard for Peter to hear. And he said, actually, Peter, before this is all over, you're gonna deny me three times. This was so devastating for Peter He had been so loyal, even to a fault, he'd been so loyal. 
He would, above all people, he would not ever disown Jesus. And yet Jesus is telling him that's exactly what he's going to do. And there was an obvious sorrow in Peter's heart. And so Jesus responds to him and says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Look, Peter, you don't know what's gonna be happening next. You don't understand why it's happening. Don't let your hearts be troubled. It's not gonna be what you want it to be. It's not gonna represent the perfect life. It's, it's not going to be what you want in life in the way that you've drawn it up. But do not let your hearts be troubled. But instead, he tells his disciples to believe in me. Believe in me and, and believe that in me, you have the Father God. The disciples, they, they had a hard time grasping what Jesus is telling them in this moment. And so now Thomas speaks up and he says, uh, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? See, all of this time, they had been following Jesus. They were simply going where Jesus had told him, them to go. He said, come on, we're going over here. He said, okay, we're gonna go over here. They did everything that Jesus wanted them to do. They followed his lead, followed his examples, because that's what a disciple would do in the first century Judaism. That's exactly how it would go. And so the thought of Jesus leaving them to themselves was devastating for them. And so their impulse was to figure out and, and ask, so, okay, so you're gone. You're not going to be with us anymore. Okay, just, just give me the directions here. I, I need to know how this is going to work if you're going to be gone, and we have to figure this out on our own. And so Jesus answers with one of the more famous pieces of Scripture in the Bible. How can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And if you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. Now, this statement doesn't come without its controversies, right? All throughout human history, there are thousands of different stories and narratives about God and gods and how to get to God or gods. And here's Jesus with an audacious and powerful statement. I am the way to get to God. And over time, as Christians have been reciting this scripture, sometimes done in a way that might portray them as being exceptional over other people or to present the gospel as exclusionary in, in some way. It's been, it's hard to hear these words of Jesus. These are words that probably need a little bit cleared up because as much as there are some who would like to present this as God or Jesus or Christians being exclusionary, listen, it's not exclusionary if everyone gets an invitation to the party. It's not exclusionary if everyone gets an invitation sent to their doorstep saying you are included in this plan, this cosmic plan that God is doing and now pouring into the person of Jesus Christ through his life and his death and his resurrection. For God so loved the whole world that he gave his only son that who would believe in him would have everlasting life. 
And in this process of figuring out, is it being exclusionary, what's happening here, we miss out on something that's more important, and that is the particularity of what God is doing in Jesus Christ. That God is doing something very particular, yes, cosmic, but very particular in the person of Jesus Christ. And disciples, Jesus is saying, if you know me, you know the Father, You have bared witness to what God is doing in the cosmic universe, in the person of Jesus Christ. And you're all invited. But this is what God is particularly doing. This statement of Jesus, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. If this were a movie, this would where the dramatic music would begin to rise up. Maybe some cinematography. This is a big statement that Jesus is making in this moment. And the disciples still don't get it. They don't get it. And so now Philip speaks up. He said, Lord, you just show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Some of your Bibles might say, and we will be satisfied. Satisfied. What does that mean? Uh, what, is, what do they need satisfied about? And why does their satisfaction matter in, in this moment of time? What they wanted, what they hungered for, what they longed for that came out of their own fear because Jesus said that he was leaving them What they wanted was a step-by-step set of instructions, a turn-by-turn set of directions that if God were just to lay it out for them and how to navigate the chaos of this world and the chaos of life and the struggles and the difficulties of life, if God would just label it turn-by-turn, then we can just follow it and we can get through life unscathed. We'll be good. And it's out of that fear And out of that insecurity that begins to seduce us into thinking that we can have control in this moment. The year 2020 has done many things to us. Most of which has reminded us how much out of control we really are. And it's in the midst of that chaos, we have this compulsion to want to grab onto something, to come up with a plan, and to have those step-by-step instructions. And that's not what God is doing in Jesus. That's not what God is offering in Jesus. He's not giving us a manual. But on Christmas, we sing about Emmanuel. God is with us. He didn't give us directions. He's giving us a savior to have a relationship with the one Jesus Christ who came into the world through, by the Father God to redeem the world for God so loved the world. And so as we face this Kairos moment and many of us in our own different ways and yet feel the same pressure and and weight that something important and significant is happening in this moment, we are reminded that our pivot point is Jesus. Wherever we have been and whatever the future looks like, we don't know what that future is, but we know where we stand. 
It's on Jesus. And so as uh, Pastor Steve and I and the elders and the staff have been thinking and praying about this, Jesus came to the center of it all. That no matter what church might look like in the next 20 years, what's our center? what's What's our pivot point? And so out of that, we developed a mission statement or a church mission. And this came from our Pray Scripture exercises. And some of you might be familiar with Pray Scripture. It's one of our uh, prayer exercises, praying through the scriptures. And as we trained folks in how to participate in Pray Scripture, there were three questions that we were asked to do and, and, to, and to reflect on as we read a scripture. And those three questions kept coming up over and over again in my own heart and Pastor Steve's heart. I remember sitting down with Pastor Steve one day and saying, I just can't get this out of my mind. And the three questions are, what is the scripture saying about loving Jesus? What does the scripture say about living like Jesus? And what does the scripture say about leading others to Jesus? I told him, I said, I can't get these three things out of my mind. And so as we prayed about it, talked about it, and developed it, we really believe that this is where God is leading us. To be a church on mission, loving Jesus, living like Jesus, leading others to Jesus. Love, live, lead. Over the next six weeks, we're gonna be talking more about what these individual expressions mean. Two weeks for, all, for each of them uh, over the next six weeks. And there's a few um, ways in which, um, even though there's going to be individual explanations and ideas around each of these three, as you approach these, knowing that these three things may not give you a manual but may help you be tethered to Jesus, there's a couple of things we wanna keep you, uh, have you hold in mind. The first is that through this process of love, live, lead, you'll find yourself, we pray, being encouraged. Being encouraged to know that whatever you might face in life, no matter what 2021 might bring for us, individually, corporately, however it might go, you'll be encouraged to know that you are tethered to the Son of God and that you have a relationship with him. But we'll also challenge you to be aware that a life in Jesus, loving Jesus, living like Jesus, leading others to Jesus, have depths that go deeper than you know right now. If you commit yourself, like those that were baptized committed themselves, if you commit yourself each new day to drawing closer to Jesus in relationship, you'll find that there is still so much more to discover. That we haven't, any of us have arrived at anything. And that God's invitation in Jesus continues to beckon us further and further. And so through that, we're gonna find ourselves be comforted, And I pray that you would be comforted. You find yourself being comforted to know that God is with you in all circumstances. God is leading you. God loves you beyond all circumstances and many times despite ourselves. 
But you also might find that you're discomforted because God continues to call you into deeper waters even if the bottom drops out and we find ourselves wading in water. And it goes deeper and deeper. And sometimes that forces us to confront demons of our past and forces us to examine who we are in our very identity. But change and transformation comes with that discomfort. And the third thing is that you'll find that this is very personal. To love, live, lead is very personal. It's a personal call for you as an individual of faith. But it's also a communal call that we exist as a community and we're pivoting on the very same point so that we can surround each other and we can support each other and to say that we are on the same journey together. Come on, let's go, let's do this. Let me hold you accountable, but let me encourage you at the same time and you do the same for me because God is calling us into some, something much greater and, and deeper than we've made it so far. Live, love, live, lead. It's something you'll do on your own and it is something that you'll do with the corporate body of believers. And even in new and fun ways because of what the pandemic has presented to us. Love, live, lead. This is a Kairos moment. It's filled with great importance and incredible meaning. Whether we know what that will look like or not, doesn't matter. The question for us in this moment is, what is our pivot? And are we willing to make the commitment to place our foot and to let it stand as we look from one direction to the next? Let's pray together. Oh, holy God, I know that many of us have wished for life to just go back to normal. But I think deep down inside, we know that there is a new normal. We don't know what it looks like completely, but it's there. And that to one degree or another, we're gonna be forced to, to look away from one way of life and to look towards something new that is so unfamiliar to us. How will we get by just like the disciples who were nervous and afraid of you leaving them. How will we get by? How will we know the way? How will we get through on our own? And yet in this moment, I hear your call to be and to come to you, to be in relationship with you and to explore the depths of what that relationship might look like. So help us in this moment to choose to pivot on you. All throughout human history, there's been plenty of these Kairos pivot point moments. And after Jesus left this earth to be with the Father, there are thousands and millions upon millions of those that lived and died and held tight to you. May we fall 
in line with those that have gone before us to hold fast to you, to draw nearer to you. And bless us as we do it that we not only would be affirmed and encouraged by you, but also changed by you. We ask and pray this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining us here this morning. And just keep in mind, there will be uh, questions for reflection or discussion with your loved ones coming up on the screen in just a minute. I just pray that you've been blessed today and uplifted, whether it's through worship or viewing the baptisms or learning for the very first time our new church mission, Love Live Lead. We want to connect with you beyond the Sunday morning experience. So I hope you can check out our Zoom groups that will come up Monday through Friday, each night at seven o'clock. The link will be there for you to click just one time. It'll send you directly to the correct Zoom room for that particular night. The information will be on, your, on the website and it will be on our social media. Now, speaking of website, we are excited because a new website for our church is being developed right now. And so in a couple weeks, we're excited to unveil that. It's going to be easy for you to navigate all the life of the church on this new website, and it'll look really cool as well. So may God bless you as you face each new day, and we'll see you again next week.